podcast. This is Cross Cultural, the show where we discuss respective perspectives about living abroad. Before we jump into anything, should probably give a little bit of background info. Would be nice. A disclaimer, if you will. Aaron, do you want to start us off with that? Uh, sure. I mean, so, I mean, it's it'll be great if we talk about who we are, right, Kyle? So, uh, my name's Aaron. You're you're Kyle. My name's Kyle. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> um, so we are a couple of former expats. We uh, we both lived in China. We taught abroad for two years, and I think you know this was your idea, Kyle. And we, uh, you know, we have so many stories, so many things to share about the ins and outs of living in China, and you know the good, the bad, the ugly, everything in between. And the best way to do that, to share our story, was starting this podcast. Yeah, so essentially where I got the idea is I was just talking with a buddy of mine who was also in China. And, you know, we'd call each other up all the time just to discuss the ins and outs of living in a foreign country. And I'm like, why don't we just record it and publish it? So that's where the idea came from. Now, this show is basically going to be about, I guess, life abroad in general, but because Aaron and I both taught and lived in China, most of what we're going to be saying is uh, within the context of China. And as this picks up, of course, you know, we meet different people. I mean, we met people from all over, right? Yeah. So we can definitely talk about people who did this kind of thing in other countries, you know, South Korea, Thailand, Vietnam, Japan, those are all popular options. But yeah, for the foreseeable future, it'll be China, China, China. China, China, China. All right, let's get into, I guess, our very first episode, which is why teach abroad or the decision to teach abroad. Exactly. And I think that's that's a great topic because... We, we met so many different people from so many walks of life. Uh, old people, young people. We're young, right? We were young. We still kind of we're are. We're still young, yeah, kind of. But yeah, I think, you know, Kyle, your story was a bit more interesting than mine. So how about you start us off here? Why, why did you decide to teach abroad? Good question, Aaron. Thank you for asking. I got you, buddy. Well, basically, it's kind of a long story, but I'll jump into my narrative here. Let's see here. After graduation, I decided to move to a different state, kind of on a whim. And I was living in the Bay Area, which is, (laughs) as you can probably tell, a very hard place to make it work. Amen, brother. Amen. But, you know, I was, I had dreams and stuff, so... I was, I had a job lined up. Unfortunately, that job fell through. So I found myself in like the roughest or the most expensive city in pretty much North America with no real job lined up anymore. So, you know, I had to hustle. Um, I worked a couple of uh, short-term temporary positions. I was living in, let's just say, not the most ideal neighborhood. I hear you. And so, you know, times were tough. I was, I was just so sick of the, the daily grind of Western life, the vicissitudes of Western life. I'm so glad you put vicissitudes in there. I know, it's a good <laughs> it's word, a really right? It's a good word. And this 
this phenomenon isn't exactly just limited to San Francisco. I mean, this could happen anywhere, but 9 to 5 gig, let's say, you know, you got to worry about rent, utilities, insurance. On top of that, you know, you got to save money and date and there's there's like so many pressures. I feel like society kind of conscripts you into this set way of how you're supposed to live your life. Cookie cutter world, right? Cookie cutter role, yeah, and that kind of brings me to my next point. The, the the other reason for wanting to teach abroad, aside from just kind of getting out of that, was, you know, I look at a lot of my friends, uh, colleagues, other people, if you will, and I just see a lot of, a lot of them just never leave their bubble. You know, a lot of them, you know, straight out of university, get that job, find a mate, before you know it, they're married, have kids, and their opportunity for doing, like, cool, interesting stuff, well, let me, let me back up, their opportunity for traveling the world um, has shrunk precipitously. And, you know, that's, that's not a bad thing, right? It's like, if you are fortunate enough to meet your person, find your career, whatever, good on you, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I have friends that have done that, and it's great for them. But, I mean, you know, sorry, I cut you off there a bit, but... Uh, that's okay. It's, uh-huh. um, I mean, the time to travel is now, right? We're young. Yeah, yeah. Don't want to get pigeonholed into, into our routine. Yeah, exactly. And I'm not knocking on people that have that going on for them. Uh, That's awesome. More power to you. But I just wasn't ready for that life quite yet. Um, I still wanted to expand my horizons a little bit, get out of my comfort zone. I guess it kind of boils down to, uh, for me, it was my current situation and just looking at how my friends and colleagues have been living their lives, and I just kind of wanted to go down a different path. And so that was basically my personal situation, and those were some of the reasons uh, for wanting to teach abroad. Uh, We'll get into a few later, but I want to ask you now, Aaron, what was your decision to teach abroad? What led you to that moment where you're like, you know what, I'm doing this? You know, thank you. Thank you for asking, Kyle. You know, you thanked me, so I figured <laughs> I'll thank you, right? Reciprocate. I mean, that's a Canadian way, right? Politeness, first and foremost. <laughs> uh, but actually, speaking of that, I think the perspective is great, right? It's like you are the handsome white American. I am the dashing brown Canadian. We both found ourselves in, uh, in China, right? So while having different upbringings per se, we also have a lot of similarities, but then stark differences as well. So as far as the decision to head over there to teach abroad, a lot of similar things is what you brought up. I don't want to copy you by saying vicissitudes, but it is a good word. <laughs> and just so I, great. I did need a break from uh, the vicissitudes of Western life. Say that yeah. five times yeah. fast, eh? Vicissitudes. No, can't. So what was your, um, I guess, you know, a lot of our reasons kind of overlap, but I just want to, like, what was your personal situation? Yeah, so um, very similar to you. You know, I, I finished school. I finished history, which, as you know, jobs were just pouring in offers left and right, coming out with an arts degree. JK, right. JK. 
<laughs> and making six figures with that liberal arts degree <laughs> straight up. Exactly. So I did find a job, but it was nowhere near what I wanted to do for a career. Yeah. What were you doing? And it was, you know, it was, I don't even know how you just, basically, I was essentially a dispatcher at a logistics company. So I was basically telling trucks where to go to do their pickups and whatever. And it was, uh, and booking them as well. So very, very mundane work. I can't imagine anyone to be passionate about it. If there are people out there, more power to you. But that just wasn't for me. Yeah, it's, again, all matter of perspective. Exactly. Um, Wonky hours. And uh, my friends were good. And I will say this, it's like, you know, we met a lot of people over there where their family situation wasn't great. Mine was. My parents very loving. My brother very loving. My friends weirdos at times, but they're great people. So that was great. <laughs> um, but I That's just, what friends are for. Ex- exactly, you know. But I needed more. I needed to see more, yeah. and I was young. I didn't have a girlfriend, so I figured, you know, there's nothing really keeping me here. And if I was ever going to do this, if ever I was going to see the world, this was the time to do it. Sure, sure. You know, and it was just, and I, I don't regret it. I'm glad I did it. I, I mean, there's, there's just so much that went into it, right? Yeah, and I had a, my fair share of rough times over there, uh, which we'll get into For sure. later down the road. Yeah. I'll agree that it was definitely worth experience and if i had to go back in time and re-up i totally would absolutely yeah absolutely absolutely absolutely. so another question i wanted to ask you aaron is how did your family and friends play a direct role in your decision making process uh well i will say this they were not really involved in the uh, decision making process per se it was more, I decided I was going to do this, and uh, and then I told them about it after. Yeah, how did they uh, react to that? That was, uh, my dad, he was like, you really want to do this? It's your life. <laughs> You're an adult. You go out there. And obviously, I hadn't decided where I was going at the time when I told them. But it yeah. was, you know, I was just like, you know, guys, this is something I want to do. And uh, my dad was very supportive. My mom, she was... I mean, I have plenty of stories of my mom. I don't know how relevant they are to this podcast, but my mom was very... <laughs> probably not probably, at all. Yeah, let's not talk too much about my mom. But she was she was very worried, obviously. I'm her baby boy leaving her loving arms for the first time. And uh, she was just very worried. But I think, you know, she understood why I was doing it, even if that yeah. wasn't easy for her to admit. Yeah. But yeah, it was, it was really... It was cool. It was cool to... I, I'd never gone to them with something like that before right because this this was life-changing yeah we're because i met a lot of people who have done you know studied or studied abroad taught abroad lived abroad whatever yeah and when it comes to china specifically (laughs) were your parents like those parents that were like oh my god that's right next to north korea and (laughs) everything's just not right and are you sure you want to do that that's not safe absolutely absolutely i i hope your parents did the same because mine was just like no i mean no really my mom was just i mean everyone knew about the great firewall right the internet block and then everyone's thinking oh communist country communist china well what's gonna happen to you and then 1.4 billion people just about there it's like will i get lost do i need to worry about what i'm saying over the internet stuff like that a heightened sense of paranoia but i think 
you know, everything going on recently now, I guess that wasn't unwarranted. Uh, yeah, it's fair, but, like, you hear about, like, this news secondhand, and it's kind of a far cry from what the reality on the ground is Absolutely. Like. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. At least when it came to my parents, yeah. both of them travel quite extensively for work, especially my dad, and so... Mm-hmm. They knew that I was having kind of a rough time uh, immediately after graduation, and so they were very supportive of going me doing this. They're like, yeah, awesome, sounds cool, good luck. Go out there and be somebody. <laughs> they didn't say that. But, Make yeah, us proud. Very supportive. <laughs> yeah, very supportive. They weren't, you know, my parents, uh, my dad, he's been to um, – He's been in and out of Turkey, uh, Sudan, Papua New Guinea. And so you would think at like first hand, some of these countries might not be the greatest location. They're definitely not mainstream, no. Yeah, they're definitely not mainstream. It's not Paris. But at the same time, there are also great things about these countries as well. And it's, yeah, so I guess my point is that my parents were very supportive of the decision to teach abroad. How was your how was your money situation before you went, Kyle? Um, broke. Absolutely <laughs> broke. Well, one, when you live in San Francisco, right. it doesn't go far at all. No, I believe that. But even if I was living in a very much cheaper city, I was still not making a whole lot of money. Right. Like, just above minimum wage. I also had student loans to pay off. Right, and we did meet several people doing that. Yeah, quite a lot of money, actually. And so that was another factor in my decision-making, was to uh, save up money, not just to be able to, you know, afford rent or whatever when I come back, but also to whittle those student loans down quite a lot. And I actually did like about 60%. That is, that uh, is excellent. Which is pretty clutch. My friends are still paying off their student loans. So like, yeah, with no real dent in it. Cause I mean, you know, I was, yeah, sorry. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, okay. Uh, 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 Okay. I'll, I'll just do it then. Yeah, I was pretty fortunate. My parents were able to pay for my school, so I didn't have that burden hanging over my head. Good for you. But yeah, no, I totally, I met, we, we met several people over there. That's why they went. I mean, Sarah went over there to, uh, to do her master's, right? To pay for her master's? Oh, yeah, I believe that's true. For those listeners out there, if you don't know, uh, Sarah is another foreigner that we met while we were in yes. China, yeah. and she... Again, uh, money to money, pay money, for money. school. Yeah. Money, money, money. And that was a big factor in her decision-making. You can... I don't know if we should save this for another episode, but my point it's is... out of your mouth you can... now. <laughs> it's coming out of my mouth now. Might as well say it. The cost of living is cheap. Yep. Because the, wa- the wages that you earn are like... Com- lower than you would in the west but comparatively speaking because the cost of living is lower the savings potential is a lot higher yeah absolutely when you're wondering like well i'm only making gonna be making a thousand dollars a month or eight hundred dollars a month teaching abroad like is it even worth it can i afford to like 
contribute to a student loan repayment? Right. And I would say yes. Yes, you can. At least in Asia or China, specifically. Yeah. If you're in, like, Europe teaching abroad, uh, it's it's pretty tight. So maybe maybe not so much there, but for sure, for sure Asia. And for sure um, China, that's... And for sure, China, yeah. I've got an interesting question for you, basically because I made this decision myself to go. No one I knew had done this, had just decided one day, hey, I'm going abroad. Yeah. How did you decide? Well, I had a friend. I still have a friend. <laughs> you lost this friend who, along the way. <laughs> right. When I st- was studying abroad during my undergraduate degree in Germany. Oh, met this cool. guy, really, really cool guy, and he he's a British national, and so he was placed in China through the British Civil Service, and he was a fresh graduate out of college as well. Okay. And, um, I mean, he had an internship beforehand, or in between college and doing this, but... That's beside the point. Uh, the point is, he he was in China uh, for a good year, and that was the time when I was in San Francisco, not really loving life. So I gave him a ring, and said, "Hey, what's it like? Would you recommend it?" I just picked his brain apart, asking him all these questions of like, "Hey, sh- should I do this? <laughs> Am I making the right decision?" Am I making the right decision? And it's, I mean, it's such a tough decision to make. Of course, yeah. Another factor that really played into my decision making was my friend that went before me and also networking with other people who have taught abroad as well, not necessarily in China, but I know a couple people from my local hometown who have taught in Korea. I picked their brains apart as well. So you had plenty of people to talk to. Yeah, and also watching videos on YouTube of people. Um, I don't know if you've, have you, did you do the same? That's, you know, I had, so I was originally going to go with a friend, but he bailed. And then I was like, well, I, you know, I'm still going to (laughs) go. And I didn't have, you know, as I said, I didn't have a lot of people to, I could talk to about this, but YouTube definitely helped as I don't know if you've seen him. His name's Alex Stevenson. And this guy hadn't even gone to China. He started teaching in Korea, South Korea, I think, and then went to Vietnam. He's still in Vietnam. Yeah. but uh, And I loved his videos. And, you know, he was living the life, experiencing things we could only dream of, you know, back right. then. Things we couldn't even fathom. And I was like, you know what? This, this looks amazing. And I knew it wasn't going to be a long-term thing, right? Nobody goes to... Foreigners don't go to China to retire. I think I heard of one, some Canadian guy who was in Qingdao for 20 years, raised his kids there. And it's like, great. Wow. Yeah, I was surprised. I never met him, but someone over there told me about him. And I was just like, you know, good for you. But me, personally, no. China was not the place to retire. And, uh, you know, Kyle, do you think we were the right age to go? Do you think there is a right age? That's a good question. I will say that age definitely played a factor in my decision-making process. Yeah, for sure, me too. I think, I think I was about 23, no, I want to say I was 24 when I, uh, maybe 25 when I actually decided that I was going to do this. Really? And, no, 
I was 24 when I decided, but I got there when I was 25. Okay. So in a span of about a year from like the objective like decision to do it to actually landing there was about a year. If you include like, you know, the visa process and yeah, paperwork. That is and something we'll talk about. But yeah, age age in of itself played a role in my decision making because at 24, 25, mm-hmm. I kind of suspected like, hey, maybe I'm too old for this. Maybe at 24, 25, I should be pursuing a, a career, climbing up the corporate ladder. For sure. And so I didn't know if I should be putting that off to pursue this crazy idea of going to China for a little while. And so, you know, if I got there, you know, would people be younger? Would I be working with a bunch of 22-year-olds? <laughs> I, I should the say, like... she's right out of college, I know, right? I know. I mean, the age gap feels a lot larger than it actually is. But, yeah, uh, I, d- I wouldn't say there's an appropriate age to do this i've met people as old as 40 i would say i actually met someone who was 50 early 50s i think yeah Yeah. and she was actually canadian so i thought that was nice yeah had she been there for a while Mm, a year i think when i met her she'd either been there for six months to a year okay because because there's like there's there's those foreigners that go when they're in their twenties and then stay for twenty years. Exactly. But then there's also yeah then there's also the foreigners that are forty something fifty something who just decide to do this uh, as a one off year. So there's kind of a kind of a difference there. Essentially the same mindset we had though, right? Because you weren't going to retire there. I wasn't going to retire there. No, no. But uh, it was the one-off to one-off year, right? That turned into yeah, two yeah, yeah. years. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And did age play a factor in your decision-making? There was definitely, for me, I mean, similar thoughts to you. If I'm going to do it, it should be now. I think when I yeah. finally touched down over there, it was October 2017. And I was 23. 23? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I was 23. It was a week after my birthday. So, uh... You know, I celebrated my birthday here in Toronto, and then uh, then I went to China. And uh, so a- as far as age goes, I thought it was the right time to go. But, I mean, we met people younger than us, and we met people a lot older than us. Yeah. What would you say the median or mean median age, age was? Mean age. I or would say late. Age. <laughs> <laughs> These are math terms, Kyle. This is not a math podcast. Okay, sorry. It won't happen again. <laughs> I, I want to say late twenties, right? That sounds about right. right. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. I yeah. think I would say the vast majority of people I met there were either in their late twenties or, or even early even 30s. Er, early thirties yeah, yeah. too. Yeah. yeah. So, if you're fresh out of college at like twenty two, or maybe you've got a couple years under your belt, you're a baby I, over there. As far you're as still concerned. a baby. <laughs> Yeah, a couple years of professional experience before you go over. Uh, you're, yeah, you're a baby. Yeah, I, I got that a lot at work. I don't know about you. So, yeah, if you're, say, 27, 28 and are thinking about the same thing we were thinking about, then you'll be fitting in just as well. Um, you'll be in Absolutely. the majority, for Absolutely. sure. Actually, age, age is a good segue to this, I think. 
teaching, teaching in general, had it, were you ever, had you ever considered that as a career over here? The short answer to that is no. No. Because, well, when you look at the system, teachers are overworked, underpaid, underpaid yep. and a lot of t- teachers in North America, I don't know, actually I don't know how it is in Canada, but I can definitely speak about America. Um, a lot of them work side gigs after they are done teaching or during the summer. Some of them, you know, drive school buses. Do uh, they? Some of them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Jesus. Or for, like, summer programs, whatever. I know summer my... Summer school and whatnot, yeah. Yeah, yeah, My, uh... Let's see here. One of my history teachers back in high school... Yeah. Probably, probably one of my favorite teachers of all time... Um, he uh, he was actually my driver's ed teacher for the summer. You're kidding. No. <laughs> God, talk about a small world. Right? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I grew up in a not-so-big town, so it kind of made sense. Okay. I didn't... I getting a little off-topic here, <laughs> but... I didn't really... I knew I wasn't going to be a teacher uh, as a career. Yeah. Um, but that was then. And now that I have teaching experience under my belt, you know, I still have the same opinion, <laughs> but... It hasn't you know, changed. Well, well, it's coming from a different... I, I have a much, much deeper appreciation for what it means to actually teach. Because right. there are elements of it that I really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. But why... Why teach in general, Aaron? Why not go abroad to be a marketing professional? Well, for one, I think it's, you know, China has, as I said earlier, they have 1.4 billion people, right? They have the largest population in the world. Yeah. By far. And so there are plenty of Chinese people who can market better than me, especially when I don't speak the language. I don't speak Chinese. <laughs> I don't know how your Chinese is now. <laughs> what Chinese? Exactly. Like... What we offered to them was our accents, right? So they... Accents or just native proficiency? Well, I, I would say both, but there is... I mean, accents, it, it was also a big thing. Like, our school was always after... I know your school had it a lot easier than ours to find North American teachers, but ours, yeah. ours struggled. But, you know, for us, bachelor's degree and just living in North America, that's pretty easy, right? That's the norm. You know 50 people who have done that. I know 50 people who have done that. So getting over there was easy, right? Because that's all they needed. They just needed you to be from a native English-speaking country and to have gone to university or college. Right. There's such a huge market for English teachers. Yeah, hundreds of jobs. Oh, yeah, not just in China, but around the world. And so the qualifications are relatively low enough that most graduates can secure a position. And, you know, it's something funny because I don't know if we'll ever get this feeling again, right? Because when we went over there, we had our pick of the litter, right? It was us saying no to jobs. Here, you you jump at the opportunity to do a job, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. And over there, it's like, well, this city is in a... Or this job is in a city where I have no interest of going, so I'm just going to say no. Oh, they're offering right. me, you know, 5,000 RMB less than I think I'm deserve, than I deserve, so I'm going to say no. Like, we, yeah. we had that power. So I think that was yeah. very, 
empowering. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, like, in short, yeah. at least in terms of teaching positions, there's a huge market. It's going to be easier to get a visa sponsorship yeah, because that was there is... One. That was another because one. there is a huge demand for it, and we more or less are able to offer that critical skill. Yeah, It's not like, say, landing a marketing position in London uh, or right. trying to get a project management position in, say, Australia because... The market's saturated. It's oversaturated, yeah. Oversaturated. There's questions of, like, legal right to work there. Um, Why should I hire an American or Canadian to do in Australia when there's an Australian who's just as qualified type of thing? Ten Australians who are probably overqualified, you know? (laughs) Right, exactly, exactly. So um, I guess in general, like, that's why teaching as a job is one of the easier ways that you can live abroad. Yeah, yeah, because there's no downside. The, the salary was, I mean, it was great for what we provided. Salary was good. The work-life balance was yeah, pretty on point, yeah, I feel. Sure. Again, you know, we're kind of dipping our toes oh, into yes, other topics right. for, right. for later. For later, but yeah. Uh, is there anything else you want to talk about? Because I think we, uh, we talked everyone's ears off, whoever's listening. I think we... <laughs> whoever's out there whoever is out there crazy enough whoever, to listen to our, us yeah i think we kind of touched on everything uh, did you talk about your money situation at all did that play a factor well i mean my job sucked so <laughs> money uh <laughs> money reflected that accurately uh, so. okay, I see. <laughs> yeah. fair enough yeah Fair enough. You know, I think a good place to end it would be here. Just to say that, you know, we we don't... I'm not speaking for you, Kyle, but I know you agree. So I guess I am speaking for you. I don't regret it. I don't regret this decision. Um, the point of this podcast is to, you know, educate people on the experience and help, right? Help in any way, because I would have loved to listen to this before I went, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. It's nice to watch YouTube videos to help you out on your decision-making process. Um, but it's also good to find other mediums about other... Um, let me back up. Find other people who have done this as well. And, yeah, for sure. you know, we're, we're providing content to, you know, help others in their decision-making process. So, again... You know, we're both expats, we lived abroad. This podcast is going to be talking about the finer realities of what it actually means to be living in a foreign country, not just visiting. Not just visiting, yeah. And because we both did two years in China, a lot of what we're going to be talking about is within the context of living abroad in China. In China. I think we've pretty much uh, covered uh, all of episode one information. Uh, why teach broad? <laughs> why do it? And yeah, so I mean, we'll touch on everything, right? There's there's no end date in sight for this podcast. We've got so many ideas, right? We got a little giddy uh, talking about the potential for this, <laughs> I think. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's good to be giddy about something you care about. Yeah, I, yeah, we're excited about this, right? Yeah. 
Uh, all right, good place to end it there, Kyle, and uh, we'll see you next time. We'll see you next time. Thank you.